Hi, and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to another edition of 9 to 42, the podcast brought to you from the guys at the Guitar Show. Um, my good friend Jason Hunt is with me, he's on screen. Hi James, how are you? I'm very good Ant, how are you? I'm really well, I'm really well and this is quite exciting because we're recording the intro to this particular episode uh, and I've lost track of what number it is but anyway. Number 12. Um, number 12, number 12. And um, before we've actually recorded the interview, because we're about to talk to, in the next two or three minutes, we're about to talk to uh, Mikey Demas, aren't we? We are. I'm quite excited. Yes. Yeah, I'm quite excited. I'm quite excited. And Mikey's famous for being in the band... Skindred. Indeed. But he has other talents, doesn't he? He does have other talents. He owns a, a pedal company called Redbeard Effects. Um, so we want to talk to him about that. I also want to talk to him about his beard oil. His is, beard oil? Beard oil, yeah. Well, that's funny because on the subject of things that you you use on various bits of your, your hair, I've just run out of the gel that I normally buy when I'm in the US. Um, and, and you see, because I didn't go to NAM this year, I completely forgotten about hair gel. So I've run out of hair gel. So I went online thinking, well, it's it's just a, it's, it's just a, it's only a Tresemme one. It's nothing special, but I just like it. I thought, well, I'll be able to get it. Somebody will, somebody will bring it into the country. Uh, and no, I'd have to get it from the US. So it's about when you're over there, it's about four dollars. So the various companies want you know more like ten dollars, and then they want another ten dollars to ship it. Ah, uh, yeah. See, I've got a mate of mine that has a very specific requirement. I have no idea why. For a, a toothpaste. Okay, that's and new. every time I go to the States to go to Nam, uh, yep. winter or summer, I have to bring him back several right. tubes of this specific... You can't get it in the UK. I'm fairly certain, probably knowing that it's American, it's got sugar in it. Uh, <laughs> Fair. Um, so, yeah, so if ever I get stopped by customs, I'll be like, why have you got six tubes of toothpaste in toothpaste. your suitcase? Oh, there are worse things, but yes, okay, I see that. Uh, so you're you're everybody else's mule, then? Yeah, it's it's, it's not a glamorous mule life. No. Um, there's there's nothing no. comes out of it other than like twenty quid in an envelope comes up yeah. my way. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's just, it's the uh, the safest thing I've ever smuggled. Okay. <laughs> well, that that that's it. that seems fair. That seems fair. So um um. Beard oil. How have we ended up with beard oil? Well, he does have a rather fabulous beard. Uh, it is. It is fabulous. His beard. It is fabulous. I yes. I mean, I've got um, other things. I mean, I, you know, I've written down. He's worked with Russ Ballard. Now, oh. it, it, I mean, this is the kiss, the kiss thing. Yes. But you know, Russ Ballard wrote "God Gave Rock and Roll to You," which Kiss turned into "God Gave Rock and Roll to You Part Two. Um, for oh God, which film was it? Was it Bill and Ted? No, Wayne's World. Bill and Ted, I think. I don't think it was in Wayne's World, was it? No, no, it must be in Bill and Ted. Um, uh, and also, he wrote New York, New York Groove, which Ace Frehley um, covered on his solo album, uh, which was the biggest hit of all the Kiss solo albums. So I'm kind of fascinated to know what it's like working with one of the greatest songwriters Britain's ever produced. Mm. 
So and um, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, he's got signature guitar. He's got signature guitar strings. He's got a signature guitar strap. Um, yeah. So I just want to ask him about all of this sort of stuff, really. And also, he's right-handed but plays left-handed. Ah. I know loads of left-handed guitarists that play right-handed because that's how they were taught and it was easier to get a guitar. Um, but the other way around yeah. is, is a bit... Okay, right. Well, we'll... Do you know what? We'll dive in with all those things then, and then yes. we'll see how the rest of the interview goes. So I'm quite excited, and this is a first. It's a first that we're we've rec- we're recording it in sequence. My God, I know. How weird. Right, professional and we'll probably finish it off in sequence as well. I know, I know, I know. It's all it's all gone a bit mad. Oh, we're going to ask him our lockdown questions as well. Yeah, I, I think this is probably the last time we get to ask the lockdown questions because right. he phoned me an hour ago and he went just on my way back from London. Which would indicate that he's not really locked he's down. He's not locking down. No. No, he wasn't protecting the statue, was he? <sighs> Who knows? <laughs> right. Might have to ask him that as well. Uh, okay, fine. Well, um, the next the next voices you will hear will, will be ours again, obviously, uh, but with Mikey in the conversation. So we'll take a deep breath now before he joins, and uh, and we'll see you in a, in a wee while. See you in a bit. Bye. So we're here and we're talking with Mikey Demas from Skindred. How are you, Mikey? Hello. Yeah, I'm good. Very good. Thank you very much. Cool. Good to see you. And we've actually done this once before, haven't we? Because we uh, we sat down at the guitar show, uh, which seems like ages ago. Man, yeah, that was a while back. Yeah, it sort of only felt like the other day, but at the same time, it's been months and months and months. And... That's because you've been locked in your house ever since the guitar yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, everyone's been stuck in one place. No, we did, but it was um, we did it in a little back room and it was quite impromptu, which was great. But I think on reflection, we thought, oh, we should do a bit more of that. And um, given that we've got the right uh, uh, environment to be able to do that. Yeah, well, we had about 10 minutes because you were, you know, you were on the booth and you were doing other stuff and you had about a 10 minute window. you know window. what? I was pulled in every direction for like two days straight, which is lovely, to be honest. You know, it's lovely to be sort of well thought of and semi-popular in that environment but i've i I was more busy at the birmingham guitar show than i was at nam over like three or four days to be honest well i like that that comes down to the quality of the event (laughs) yeah absolutely i think it's just being a uk sort of artist if you like and a uk company in a uk in the you know in a uk environment i think you're there's that extra sense of recognition from from fans and and that kind of thing and, you know, I'm a dinosaur man. I've been around forever. Everyone knows me at, like, shows like that. So it's kind of like you're catching up from the minute you walk in to, like, 20 minutes after you've packed down kind of vibe. Whereas at Nam, it was a bit more... I'm an unfamiliar sort of face. I'm more of an unknown in the sort of gear world um, capacity. You know what I mean? Like, people know my band. But uh, our company, Redbeard Effects, is essentially a bit of an unknown because we're brand new. So Nam was kind of, like bit more paced out and it's over like four or five days as well so whatever but like yeah the yam show as i believe people call it <laughs> yes yeah that, is, that, is, that, is that, that was... something you guys have officially adopted or is that like whoa don't say that in here no bro. no um so a, a couple of years ago I, I got a text message a couple of the guys from pmt birmingham have been over to see laney and they yeah. were, I, I think they were sorting out ibanez orders for the show or something like that mm-hmm. and one of them had said by mistake yam instead of nam and the other one david who um he's um he's the guy that got me uh, ryan roxy for the show last year Uh uh, um texted me and he went this is the funniest thing ever the yam show 
So uh, I got straight on it, and last year I had T-shirts made up with Yam 19 on it in their <laughs> font and everything. And, so um, good. And then this year I did the Plectrums. I just thought it, it was brilliant. I mean, you know, because I am actually a, an official Yam Yam born in the black country, so I'm allowed right. to say it. <laughs> right, okay, okay. Yeah, I know um, I know Fen over at Laney really well, and me and him were laughing about that. He's a funny guy. I'm sure you know yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a funny mf'er. <laughs> I'm not sure any... if I can swear on this podcast. Yeah, you can. We've got an e next yeah. to our yeah. name. Okay, cool. Good to know. Not that I'm like you know have to have to do it like a quota, <laughs> but you never know when these things just slip out. You know. <laughs> so the first question really was about um, red beard effects, and you know how did that come about, and you know how's it going? Oh, right, let's start. Let's give you the in the beginning. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, a couple of years ago, I guess probably like 2018, 2017, something like that. I was sort of, I wanted to kind of get my head into something else other than just recording and touring. Because, you know, you get to that sort of stage where you're like looking to diversify your interests a little bit and just have a side hustle and those kind of things. You know, everyone's got to figure out a bit of a side hustle. I think we days. call it a portfolio career these days. Thank Thank you, yeah. Diversifying my portfolio, if you like. And, you know, I wasn't really sure what to do. And I had a conversation with um, a good friend uh, who said, why don't you do that? And I, I immediately I put up all the hurdles of why well, I couldn't do that because of this, and I couldn't do that because of that. And they sort of systematically disassembled all the reasons why I'd, I said this would never work and sort of left me thinking you know i'm full of shit really like i've got no excuse like and so that got me thinking you know how, where would you start and obviously I'm, all, I'm i'm just i was on my own thinking about how i would do it and i thought i need some advice you know i need to take some advice from people and i'd um obviously i was very friendly with adrian thorpe of thorpe effects um and i sort of by that point i sort of been thinking for about six months about what i would call the company how i would work it what I'd, what i would like it to be like trying to build the idea of a brand i suppose in my head hmm. And I went to Adrian for some advice because I was looking to work with someone specific who I knew he knew. Like, I would love to pick this guy's brains about... Um, it was actually um, Dan Coggins of, you know, Love, love yeah. Tone. Because um, Dan, Dan Coggins actually lives now where I grew up in a tiny little town, market town in Oxfordshire called um, Wantage. Right, which, okay. is where, which is where I'm from. And so, because I, I followed him on Instagram because I'm a big fan of everything he did. And um, was like, I felt like it was like, some weird divine intervention vibe. It was like, I'm from there. He lives there. I'm going to, I'm going to like start thinking up some pedal ideas. I want to pick this guy's brain. So I went to Thorpey about it. And he was like, he was kind of like, well, the thing is, is that I work with Dan about a bunch of stuff. So don't go anywhere near him or else. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Massively standing on people's toes. I didn't even know. He was kind of, like, he was really cool about it. But he was like, yeah, me and Dan actually worked together like, on some stuff and he's not going to, do that i shouldn't think he was like you know don't don't piss on my cornflakes basically and i was like oh fair <laughs> enough so any but you know me and him got to he's like well what sort of thing are you into and i was like well i want to do this and we'll do that and he was like he was uh he, he was like why don't you come up here and have we'll have a proper chat about it because i don't want to burst your bubble i just think you know you sound like you need some advice about you know how to get this thing off the ground and i was like oh my god tell me what day i'll be there you know i didn't think for a second that like thorpey would be like make time in the calendar to kind of help me out you know, he's a helpful guy. I had no idea how helpful he was going to become. Um, so we went up there and I sort of chatted. And I was sort of throwing ideas back and forth. And he was kind of like gunning some of them down and sort of bigging some of them up. 
And um, I kind of, I left thinking like having a bit more of a clear direction of what I could be doing. Um, and then, you know, I got a phone call from him a couple of weeks later saying, I've been thinking about this and, you know, I've spoken to Georgia at length about it, which is, Georgia's his wife who they're in, they're, you know, they're in business together for 4P. She's like the silent she's the real boss of the company and he's I know she pays the bills she's like the she's like the actual machine he's just like the the, he's just the face he's just the the muscle at the front she's the one doing all the business trust me um and uh and they you know they've spoken about it and said you know we want to do this with you like a joint venture if you're into it like have a think about it like we could use all the 4pfx infrastructure and obviously you know thorpey's got pedal pedal designs coming out of his ears and we could do it together and you know Build it as a separate brand to Thorpe Effects, obviously. But just it would be a, a great outlet for him to do stuff which doesn't necessarily fit the 4P line. Or, you know, it's, a, it's another outlet for him to be able to design and, you know, work with someone else who's got a lot of ideas about design and branding, like me, aka me. And also, like, because I'm the face of it and the my, my illustrious band career, he thought it was a kind of a great angle for, for us to work. And... So yeah, we just decided to do it together, and next thing you know, it's all happening. And I'm so you know, I couldn't couldn't have fallen on my feet in a better position, really, because of all the kind of UK builders, you know, I'm working with the best one, and he's already like five, six years down the line of like how to run a successful pedal company. So I've like I felt like I've sort of won the lottery, sort of in a weird way, like they got um, Willy Wonka's golden ticket because. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we kind of, I we work together, we, you know, we we speak daily now, a couple of times a day, and we're constantly working. I mean, he, that guy doesn't stop working ever. He works like seven days a week. No. And yeah, it's insane. And it's, you know, it's been a bit of a kick up the arse for me, to be honest with you, because I'm like, I'm, a, you know, a touring guy. I, I go from periods of intense busyness to like some downtime where it's like my life slows down a bit and that's okay. But I'm now filling that downtime with, lots of other work which is kind of what I wanted to do but like the discipline that comes with working with someone who's you know ex-military and not just oh I was in the army for x amount of time he's like decorated you know so he's like he's a serious serious customer is our 4p so yeah I don't it doesn't really give me any room to slack off or um mess around because he's just not he's not having it so (laughs) which is hard for me because being a band guy like I've spent you know my entire life avoiding being responsible any kind of responsibility or like getting a real job so to ha- have this scenario now i'm kind of like that's something yeah we manage that relationship it's quite interesting because you know he's a he's a he's a stickler and i'm a i'm a i'm a blagger <laughs> and so yeah that's quite that's quite interesting so how long did that process actually take then because you you went over it and said well we had a meeting and then they said mm-hmm. you know maybe get involved and what have you but and then you kind of very quickly almost had a, had had the company. But what was the actual time frame we're talking about? Is it in months? Do you measure it in years? It was probably months, to be honest. It happened all happened very quickly once he and I, once I'd gone to uh, to Thorpe for advice. I suppose I probably had these initial thoughts right at the beginning of 2018, um, and spent about six months thinking how, what, why, when. Um, I, I, I had a meeting with him in the middle of the summer, and then. Sort of June, July kind of time, and then a couple of weeks later, he sort of put this offer together. And you know, a week later, I mean, I pretty much my my gut feeling was like, yeah, it sounds like a great. I, I you know, spoke, I took some advice from a couple of people, like, what do you think? And everyone was like, no brainer, do it. So I was like, yeah, of course. So a few days later, I was like, yeah, man, I'm in. Like, let's do this. 
And so, you know, like middle of 2018, we were like, right, what's the first step? And, you know, it was trademarking and reserving some intellectual property kind of things, domain names, blah, 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 that kind of thing. You know, once we decided what things were going to be called and that kind of thing, that, that will happen quite quickly. And then, you know, we had a, we want to launch, when do we want to launch our first product? It was basically like September 2019. We gave ourselves a year, pretty much, from like when we're going to have these things ready to buy. And so from, I guess it was about a year from we, we decided we were working together to maybe just a little over a year that um, we had, you know, the first product, the Red Mist Mark IV, readily available. I mean, we had them in our hands, obviously, within about, I want to say probably within about eight or nine months, not even... And we were, and we we had them before we were ready to go, and we were just using that time to like do a bit of marketing and get all our ducks lined up, so to speak. You know, so why um, four? Aha, uh-huh. well, this is a good question. So there were three iterations <laughs> of the Red Mist beforehand, uh-huh. um, and none of them were quite right. And you know, the idea was I kept going back and going, "Nah, we can do better. We can do better. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more." Basically. Want like EQ to be more powerful, want the gain to be more fierce, but retain that sort of tight low end kind of vibe. And so, you know, I would send off a very infuriated ex army major to go back to the drawing board <laughs> multiplications. That takes some guts, let me tell you. But it was kind of serendipitous because we're both massive Star Wars fans, and the kind of the fourth one, it was like Mark IV was kind of like Episode Four, yeah, and yeah. like you know, like with like a New Hope being the first one that anyone's seen, but it's already had this saga beforehand. I just thought that was a cool little take on on the pedal branding. See, I, it, I, w- I went straight to WD-40. Oh, yeah, yeah, because that's the 40th water one, displacement, isn't it? 40th yeah. attempt at it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Is that dog doing your head in? Because I need to shut my window, probably. No, it's fine. It's not my dog, it's well. my neighbour's dog. <laughs> but it's so hot in here, I've got the window open. I can close the window if you'd like. No, you're fine. No, you're fine. fine. As long as it's not doing your head it, in. I don't, no, no. You can edit this bit out if you want to, but... It, <laughs> no, I feel... What you beautifully done there is explain why there's a dog on the podcast, so it's fine, we'll leave it in. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's Total because I live, I live in Hove, and the back of my place sort of has the backs of lots of people's place onto it, and at any point there's like just families out there, and everyone's sort of kicking it at the moment, and there's, well, a, dog, there's a dog that lives a few doors up to me, up from me, and it makes so much racket. And I'm a, I love dogs, I'm an animal lover, but this dog, honestly, makes this kind of noise at one o'clock in the morning. And I'm like hovering out my window thinking, where's my BB gun, you know? <laughs> this, little, this little bugger. He's just, yeah, he's constantly doing it. Well, I mean, the fact is that uh, it seems I'm not advocating be... animal cruelty, by the way. No, I'm just, no, no, I'm li- no, This no, is what's no, known as no. a joke, by the way. No, I, I don't no, own a BB no. gun. No, <laughs> no, no, you're fine, fine. I was just about to say, I mean, to be fair, it could be anything out your window, because if you're in Hove and half the country appears to be on the beach at the moment, so yeah. I was expecting, you know, far more. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm probably about six or seven minutes walk from the beach, not too right. far, but far enough where you don't have the hordes, but I'm still in a sort of residential kind of... But part where it's you know lots of lots of people lots of animals lots of noise <laughs> so yeah i'm a fan of noise when it's mine <laughs> i'm not a fan of anyone else's so how big a star wars nerd pretty big i mean yeah. like yeah down to like an irritating little things like we did a i'll do a weekly quiz with a bunch of my posse some of the skin dread lot some of the crew i work with um and you know, we've done one every week since the beginning of lockdown and kind of the rounds were getting a bit tired. And so we sort of varied some stuff up. And last week, our monitor engineer, Simon Hutchby, who's our drum tech as well, he um, did a round called, is it a console? Is it a synth? 
Is it a microphone or is it a Star Wars droid? Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. Oh. And I got, I think I got, I want to say I got 10 out of 10. Because, you know, he was trying to throw people with the, like these Star Wars droids. I was like, nope, I know what exactly what that is. I know it's sad, but it's true. I've got one of them memories that just remembers like that kind of stuff. I think maybe one of the synths caught me out because I'm not, you know, or maybe one of the microphones, but I'm not the most well-read on, but I'm kind of into audio as well. Like I do recording, like I'm just one of those people who remembers like model numbers and stuff and can't remember when someone's birthday is, but I could tell you, you know, a product denomination of some microphone that like I'm, you know, pointless geeky dude stuff, you know, it's sad and embarrassing, but in those environments, really helpful. (laughs) Well, it's funny because the company that we use to host the podcast Mm -hmm. Uh, is a company called Rebel Base Media. Oh, okay, that, cool. And and that stems from their love of Star Wars. And the guy who actually owns the podcast company or the the, the hosting company has a podcast um, called Spark of Rebellion, which is nice. a Star Wars podcast. Well, I might have to like, listen to that. Uh, it's really good, actually. It's really good. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm a so... big I'm a big Star Wars geek. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not talking like oh, I've seen them all. But and do you know? What? I'll be honest. Actually, I don't think I've seen the most recent one. Is it? Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. I haven't even seen that one yet, to right. be honest. Obviously, right. like, yeah, I've moved house at the beginning of the year and all this stuff. So, like, life's been kind of like, it hasn't been conducive to going to the cinema or anything like that. You've, but, you've, um, got, to, you've got to see it to complete the journey. But yeah. if you haven't seen The Mandalorian, you need to see The Mandalorian first. Okay, then. All right. Yeah, because I got Disney Plus as well for my daughter, and she's not been interested at all, which is weird. Um, so I think I've cancelled the subscription, but I'll get back on it because Mandalorian's worth it. You'll do it. You'll do it in one month comfortably. Okay, you okay. Spread it out. You'll yeah, adore the Mandalorian. It's brilliant. Yeah, I'm letting the team down. I've given it the big end about. I'm this massive Star Wars nerd, and I haven't seen the Mandalorian or Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> no. which is pretty no. shameful. But back when I was a younger person and able to spend time and obsess over details and things like that, I was yeah. far more informed, should we say? So <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of old school. Well, we'll give it a month, and then we'll do a we'll do a part two of the podcast. We'll, so we we'll come back and I go. We'll yeah. come back to it, and I go right. Mandalorian, talk to me. Rise of Skywalker, let's go. I'll be all clued up. This doesn't sound like a guitar show podcast, but there we go. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. We'll bring it. <laughs> no, so no, yeah, Red Miss Mark Four. That's the link. That's the vibe. Um, it was. We had several several attempts beforehand, which were good, but not good as um. As uh, what's the guy off uh, catchphrase you say? It's good, but it's not right. So it's <laughs> Roy it Walker. Roy Walker. It's mm. good, but it's not right. Um, so we changed it a few times, and when the fourth one was like, "This is the one," or it was actually like, "There can't be a fifth one because if I ask him to change anything, he's going to break my legs." So we, we <laughs> and he probably we, could break your legs. Maybe just by looking at him. He, <laughs> yeah, he could uh, snap my legs like a twig. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, but we we'd had a bunch of of ideas before that and a bunch of iterations of the pedal and then we landed on four and we were happy cool and then cool. then it's honey badger that came next yeah we actually had both pedals pretty much ready to go at the same time because you know he you know he was sort of had these ideas that he threw at me and i kind of got my head into them quite quickly and we did we were R&Ding them between each other so to speak and we were kind of back and forth on which one would we want to come out the gates with first really because I felt like it was smart to to come out swinging with a good drive pedal because obviously the honey badge is pretty nuts. But we were like, do we come out with like the really nuts thing first and follow it up with a really versatile high gain drive or do do it the other way around? So, uh, you know what? Red Mist is a kind of entry level 
drive pedal. I think it's a good way to start. And then we'll sucker punch people with like the bizarre two octave down octave fuzz, you know, a few months later. Because obviously we launched in September of um, 2019 and then came out with the Honey Badger about four months later in January. Yeah, that was and that, NAM, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, we launched that at NAM. And um, yeah, both of them have been... I've been so stoked on how it's going, to be honest. Like, managed to get a load into the hands of artists and got loads of positive feedback. Um, got loads of quotes that I'm building into, like, the website and stuff like that. Um, like, we have we have an artist page with, like, big deal guitar players going, this thing's radical, which is mental, really, you know? And everyone who's bought something from us has been, like, really getting behind the company, like, being an, an ambassador for the brand, which you can't really ask for anything more than that. You know, I never wanted to be, like, Oh, it's okay. Yeah, you know, like another. We had no desire or intentions to do like another tube screamer clone or another clone. Yeah. Any, you know, I I love all that stuff, but the marketplace is so saturated. It was like, why do I want to want to come out swinging with something a bit different with its own identity? And so for people to really get behind that is amazing, you know. And I, to be honest, I'd rather be people like it's not for me and be like, yeah, that's cool. It's not supposed to be for everyone. I don't. Want, I wouldn't want to be all things to all people. I want to. I like the Marmite stuff, really. You know, my band's a Marmite band. I'm a Marmite person, probably. <laughs> you either like me or you fucking hate me. And that's okay. And I'm all right with it. Like, uh, you know, the pedals are the same vibe. Like, so love the, it or hate it. What's the next pedal? Ooh. I can't tell you too much about it, but it is pretty much ready to go. We prototyped it. And it looks really cool. It's got a really cool name. It's the best name we've come up with so far, actually. Like, we're both really soaked on the name and what it does. Um, and it's it's really tweakable. And it's going to be... It's it's bridging a gap with somewhere we'd like... Something we'd like to do that we haven't covered yet. Right. Um, but I don't want to give too much away. So when do we get you, to see that? September time? Or is I it all so, yeah. COVID delayed? Not really. I mean, that hasn't really slowed us down, to be honest with you. The third one we sort of had, again... We were prototyping that at the beginning of the year. The only thing that stopped us really is just kind of when do we want to do it? And it's kind of like when do you, you know when do you want to bring something out and to have the most impact? And we're like, well, you know, initially we're like, well, let's launch it in Nam next year, and then it's like, well, Nam might not be happening. Um, so you know, do you want to catch Christmas? Do you want to? You know, we're kind of at our release date. We're kind of finalising that right now. I think we're going to try to. I think what we might do is just release it a couple of months after you know after january so because you know most companies will launch a new product beginning of next year and sort of you don't want to get lost in the noise because we haven't got the kind of marketing budget that you know a lot of the big players do so rather than get lost in the tide we'll you know wait a minute and then go ta-da this is our third pedal and well, you know, i can it's, certainly it's recommend an event that's not long after now that kind of <laughs> happens in birmingham okay <laughs> well it's sort of february kind of time yeah yeah end of feb beginning of march you know that okay. kind of time of it Okay, okay. Yeah, that could work out well, to be honest. I mean, again, like, if that's... I don't... You know, we don't know. I assume that you're acting as if that show's I, happening and going on, right? Yeah, I sort of. Um, the, the, I've got two two rough ideas, basically, okay. at the moment. It, it, all, it all depends on how this plays out over the next yeah. couple of months. So, Of course, yeah. Everyone's uh, doing the same thing, to be honest. Like, I expect, you know, the NAM show, the same vibe. People are, like, seeing what they're going to do. Live, playing live for me, same thing. Mm. Uh, you know, only up until a week ago, I assumed we weren't doing anything this year. And then, the, the, you know, Live Nation put this uh, thing together with Utilita for 
a few that, weeks. That was of... my second question, actually, because I, right. I worked at the NEC, so you're doing this NEC driving gig. Yeah, is that one of them? I've got a list of them. I've, yeah, there's there's one happening there. That's right. And um, yeah, I don't know what to expect, I'll be honest with you. No idea what to expect. I mean, I, my, I mean my questions were when I saw it, because, you know, I get the emails like I suppose everybody else has been getting if you've bought a ticket from... Mm-hmm. You know, Ticketmaster or Ticket Factory or whatever. You know, you get these mailers, and it was kind of like, are, are you going to sit in your car and watch it? Are you going to be allowed out of your car within a confined area? Or you I- are allowed out. Yeah, you're allowed out. You've got a little area, so you get out your car and party. And what I'm really happy about is, I think some of the stuff they trialed in the USA, they'd adopted that traditional driving vibe that you tuned into a radio transmitted version right, of the performance okay. using your car stereo. So. If you've got like a 2019 Audi with a killer Bose system, like you're loving life. But if, you know, you've got some hoopty, like 15-year-old POS with a old transistor radio in it, you're going to have a crap time. So thankfully, they've adopted the whole, we're going to stick a great big PA in the car park and it's going to be like being at a gig. No, I couldn't I... see it working any other way. Someone told me that's what they were doing. I was quite shocked that they even considered not doing that elsewhere. Like a gig is like, a, it's all about a kick drum punching you in the chest really hard and your ears hurting and you're shouting and you mate's ear, do you want a beer? That kind of thing. Like you take that away and you're just listening on the radio in your car. I don't, so what's the capacity of this I want, thing? I want to say most of them are working towards 600 cars. Okay. so Which is a weird car, one. Yeah, which is a weird one because when you think about what a 600 capacity venue looks like, it's not huge. No. You know, I, I think, you know, we're talking probably the old Barfly in Birmingham was probably not far off that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Or like the other room in the Birmingham Institute. Or, the, you know, the upstairs in Birmingham Academy yeah. was a few, like four or five hundred people. Yeah. But, you know, what a, a car park has to look like to have 600 cars in, it's a much bigger space. So it's a diff- It's a weird vibe. I'm not sure what it's going to be like. I'm excited to see what it's going to be like, but it's unprecedented. Well, it's, you know, I mean, ultimately, you can always say that you did it and yeah. and not many people are going to say at the end of their careers, well, there's this one tour that we did that we played to just loads of cars. Yeah. And it wild. wasn't a Pixar film. Yeah. <laughs> Super weird. Yeah, I'm really grateful to be, you know, included on the first wave of this happening because that's, that's quite an honour, really, you know. Mm. They're sort of, you know, using us as a bit of a guinea pig along with all these other artists. But when I first saw the announcement, um, you know, I looked on the website and all the other artists are doing it. There's some big names on that, man. So for a rock band, like we're the only heavy band, I think, that I saw in the initial thing compared to some of the other artists that are doing that. So if you're a rock fan or like a heavier music fan, and if you are if you like Skindred, then yeah, then like, there's been a lot of interest. So I I'm, I'm, can't wait to see like first week of sales. Should be interested to see who's up for it because it's a different experience to... So how long, how long is your set? plan to be do you know I, th- that yet? I think i think i want to say it's like an hour hour and 10 maybe our right. regular ones like an hour and 15 tops like we don't play for any longer than that and so you know depending on what the regulations are because normally you know you wake up at a venue or you get there first thing to do with the driver's hours on the bus or whatever but these ones it's like you need to arrive here at five you'll be on stage at nine so you got to turn it all around in four hours which well you know it's a tight ship that's like a festival style um throw and go scenario which will be strange but our backline will be stripped back we're not bringing in any production you know it's going to be us guys on stage with our gear and a, and a backdrop and a couple of lights probably there's not going to be any like pyro or staging or any of that malarkey it's going to be like you know rough and ready 
yeah. which is which is fine. But like you know, for the for the from the punter's perspective, you know, I think just because people are itching to get out and do something and have something to look forward to, I think that's okay. You know, yeah. so we'll see. I, I kind of feel bad that we can't give people the full experience, but that's not our fault. You know, we're kind of just going along with. I think anybody's happy for any experience right now. Right. right. Exactly. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I've been watching quite a few of these, um, you know, from their kitchen sort of performances on YouTube and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I, I really like a, a singer. I have no idea. No, most people have never heard of him called Jesse Malin, like New York punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's, you know, I say New York punk, ex-New York punk, now New York singer-songwriter type sort of thing. And mm-hmm. he, he started off doing it in his kitchen, but he also owns the Bowery Electric and uh, another club in the Bowery area. So oh, then yeah. he then he was just him on his own on the stage as the sort of like restrictions went down in New York mm-hmm. in the club, which made it infinitely better than seeing him in his kitchen because you spend far, far too long going... What books has he got piled up there? You know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, and he did the first one uh, last week where the the full band was actually back, sort of socially distanced on the stage and stuff like that. And it's great. And it's it's quite nice to do on a Saturday evening or whatever and sit down mm-hmm. and watch that. But it's it's not the same, is it? I mean, you, you, you miss that, like you say, the thump of the kick drum in your chest, the sweaty mm-hmm. atmosphere, the being in an environment with people who all are into the same sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it, when you sat on your sofa... And, you know, you've got a much younger daughter than mine. Are. Right. But right. they're like, what's this, Dad? Why have we got to watch this? We're like, when does this finish? Yeah, it's just, it's not the same, is it? No, no. I, that's the thing. It's like, you know, live music, you think, I suppose we all thought it was quite future-proof in some, some small way, you know, in terms of a business strategy. But, yeah, this thing's been... Unprecedented. No one sort of thought a pandemic would come along and stop you being able to do the thing you do. And everyone's had to adapt. And, you know, that's been challenging for us and for everyone else, I can imagine. But, yeah, there's nothing else like it. And that's why I'm quite, quite really grateful and really excited to get back out there and, and do what we do. I just hope that the people who are coming, people who are paying to go, get what they want from it. You know, because well, it, it's, it's different. That's for them. Yeah. It, again, it's another kind of thing that, you know, you you can say that you were there. Yeah. It, it's a, it's going to be a unique experience, and that, you yeah, know, absolutely. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, when I was a kid, I always envied the Americans for having drive-in cinemas. I thought that just seemed like the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. But, I always thought, like, why can't we have that? <laughs> and then you look out the window in Birmingham in like the mid eighties, and it's pissing it down. And you're like, well, yeah. that's why we don't have them in England because <laughs> it rains most of the time. You know, I'd yeah. rather go to a building with eating in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I hope that yeah. I hope that people people get what they what they want from it. You know, it's. I, I said to someone the other day, "Isn't it weird though? Because everyone has to drive." And I was like, "Yeah, but load, yeah, but loads of people drive to your gigs anyway. Like, you know, everyone's got like a designated driver." I was like, "Yeah, I suppose so." And that just must suck being that guy on the, when you go to the gig. Someone's going to have to be the designated driver. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but like you say, there is always. I mean, the. the the problem with the NEC is, um, and this is from years of experience, is that the last train from the NEC to Birmingham is at 11pm. Right. Okay. Most gigs finish yeah. at 11pm, but there's a 10-15 yeah. minute run to the train station. Right, okay. So it, most people drive anyway. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, cool. I've done brilliant. Yeah, then awesome. I want to see how people are going to do their thing, like jumping up and down on their car, 
ghost riding the whip kind of vibe <laughs> like maybe because you know if this was the usa you might get like those people with cars with hydraulics on making a car <laughs> jump up and down i think i i don't know if they'll have that in birmingham but no, ima- imagine if they did there's know? gonna be a lot of Vauxhall novas there mate that's not gonna <laughs> lot, be what it a <laughs> lot, lot of um 17 year old bmws <laughs> yeah that's all right oh do you know what i'm really excited it's been such a long time i honestly thought we weren't gonna play a note this year together and the fact that we are is really special and i'm really excited have you been be you, know, you say you've been doing these sort of like quizzes and stuff like that have you tried mm-hmm. doing any sort of remote writing and playing or anything like that yeah i mean we're all writing independently anyway um it it won't be the same until we all get together again Mm. typically the way we write is that someone somewhere will have an idea and they'll flesh it out a bit on their own and then present that as an idea to everyone else and then people will take that on and do their own thing with it and it will change or you know evolve and that's typically how we write so the more the merrier really you know we've all got ideas for the next record we're all working on the next record all the time um but not in terms of like actually we're on a zoom right we're jamming kind of deal like Mm. that's just i know some people have been doing that like from a business, you know, from having to do it from a business perspective to keep like, the, you know, keep food on the table. Um, but no, we're sort of, we're taking our time and as, as, uh, as mad as it has been, I'm again, really grateful for the downtime, to be honest, because I've been touring for 20 years and I've never had, never been in one place and forced to slow down. I've kind of needed it to be honest with you. Like the last, last couple of years has been pretty full on for me one way one way or another and um it's been nice to be forced to just slow down and stop and be able to focus on things you know at hand for example you know i've been able to put time and energy into my business and you know into writing and my personal life things like that you know which when you're non-stop is really difficult and something something usually is a casualty of that so actually to be stuck at home whilst it's been quite difficult in a lot of ways it's actually been a bit of a blessing to be honest and i'm quite grateful for that downtime that said i'm really excited to get out of here and pick up a guitar and swing it around on stage obviously <laughs> yeah obviously <laughs> yeah yeah um, red beard effects is quite easy to sort of do from home if you like yeah because you know once um because i'd be up at up adrian uh, thorpe and george's uh, unit up in um um in northamptonshire like two or three times a week some months you know just doing various bits and pieces but you know being able to work remotely now that we've got products out and about it's kind of more computer-based work sat at a computer versus having to do anything too physical and again i'm i'm building stuff at home like soldering and working on things that's something that people probably don't know is that i build these things as well cool yeah, I have so, to get stuck in, man. Roll them sleeves up, get the, stuck in. The other thing that I'd got written down was not only have you got uh, red beard effects, but you've also got beard oil as well. Yeah, I've got it right here, actually. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, red, red beardium. Yeah, we've got a beard oil called Powered by Red Beardium, which was made in collaboration with our friends at Braw Beard Oils, who are up in Scotland. Um, yeah, we were kind of like, obviously we had the pedal side of things down, I kind of was thinking, well, what other things could we do? Just, you know, because obviously people do pics and stickers and obviously you're going to have a T-shirt and that kind of vibe. That's fairly straightforward. I always wear snapbacks a lot of the time. It's kind of been my thing for a minute. Like like the ever, the, the teenager refuses to grow up. <laughs> my girlfriend said that to me the other day. She said, do you know what I love about you the most? I was like, it's like, 
you're almost 40 years old, but you still wear a cap backwards. And I was like, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm like, why'd you have to put it like that? But it's true. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we've got snapbacks on the on the website and we've got um, a few other bits and bobs. We've got like barefoot buttons. We're friends with the barefoot buttons guys yeah. and they, um, they like, they laser hours. So they've got our logo on and um yeah, like my my friend John Jackson, who runs Broadbeard Oils, um, he's sort of gifted me various bits and pieces over the years because he's a gentleman and he makes really cool stuff. And then I, you know, me and Adrian were like, "What if we do? What if we do beard oil?" You know, and we were like, "Cause because obviously Thorpey is Adrian, Adrian Thorpe. Um, he started growing a beard <laughs> like when we met because I think he was just like, right, this product, this company is going to be called Red Beard Effects." I'm currently clean shaven. This is like a branding problem. <laughs> and immediately he was just stopped shaving. And now he's got this savage like beard, which has kind of got this red vibe to it as well. It's just, it's quite funny. I think, I don't know. He's quite, um, he's, he's quite a competitive kind of guy. Like, um, oh, really? And, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is great, you know, in the sort of business sense. And I think that he was like, right, I can't let this young whip snap, whippersnapper come in here with this facial hair. And me just look like, like I look, so he was like, right, here we go. I'll show him. And he's grown his big fuck off beard. It's hilarious. So yeah, we both, so we're both obviously like beard oils and things like that. And um, yeah, John Jackson from Broad Beard, I approached him about having a collab and making one. And he was well up for it. And yeah, turned him around and we sell those on our site. And John sells them on his site too. Because um, when, let me back up a little bit, what the red beardium thing's about. Um I give you, I'm giving you a big, expansive answer. Because um, Adrian and I, Thorpey and I, everyone calls him Thorpey, but yeah, Adrian Thorpey, Thorpey, Adrian. Um, we, we're both sort of big science fans, like fans of sort of science stuff. And we're both, both fans of like the periodic table, right. just by coincidence. And, um, and we were both kind of like, how can we... How can we like incorporate maybe some kind of like periodic elements, sciencey, physicsy vibe into it without it being too cheesy? And we both, well, I can't remember who came up with it, but we we were googling stuff and we were figuring stuff out. And there was all this serendipitous stuff that happened, like the color of the red mist that we decided on, like the powder coat we chose for the pedal. The name of it was actually rubidium, which is an element, and um, it's actually it it's one of its properties is it's highly reactive. And so we took that as part of our slogan sort of branding, like being highly reactive pedals. We changed it into red beardium, um, obviously, <laughs> and gave it its own atomic weight and all this stuff. Like the period, the number of it's 32, which is my lucky number. And the, 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 the number underneath 81 is the year we were both born. And four, six, eight is my daughter was born in June. And his daughter was born in August, I think. So it's like four, six, and eight. So it's for them too. It's like, you know, so that's why we did that. And um, yeah, we'd sort of coined it like, we wanted to do it like Intel inside. Like this thing is powered by this thing. Like, you know, like that whole Intel branding was like Intel inside. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you know, this computer's got an Intel in it. So, you know, it's the shit. So we were like, right, these pedals are all going to be powered by red beardium, which is just this bullshit element we've invented. <laughs> and um, yeah, we kind of stuck and we sort of stuck it on everything. Like all the pedals have a sticker on the bottom that says powered by red beardium, which we both love. And um, yeah, it just seems the obvious thing to call the beard oil. Like this is this illustrious um, element that you 
struggle to find anywhere on the earth other than right here. And that's that's how that happens. Brilliant. Yeah. That's the sort of that stuff that we stay up till like one o'clock in the morning, like jamming about like, what if we did this? What if we did that? Like, silly attention to detail. It's little things like that that get you excited about what you're doing, you know? Oh, completely. Completely yeah. agree. Yeah. And then the reality comes in of like, right, tax. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, oh, awesome. Yeah, brilliant. Like, let's do that. <laughs> so we we like jamming these ideas of like, oh, what if we did this? What if we do that? You know. So you're going to be the last of these kind of remote recordings that we've done because what we uh, wow what, what we did we launched the podcast um, literally just at the point when uh, well just at the first couple of weeks of of the, of the lockdown mm-hmm. and obviously we've done lots of interviews and we took the decision to go weekly. Because people had a bit of time on their hands, it was easy mm-hmm. to get hold of people. Yep. So, uh, and we're going to move out from this is the last one of the weekly ones. We're going to go and move back to fortnightly, which was the original original plan. And because um, your listenership is going to drop off after hearing me talk about um, nonsense for no, no, quite minutes. the reverse, <laughs> quite the reverse. This literally is that this is the peak. So oh, brilliant! Uh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is like the final. Yeah. This is like the headline set. Yeah, well, don't, don't tell Adrian he supported you because he was on yeah. last week. So he, yes, he's yeah, your, he's opening up for me. He's That's right. Back. Yeah, that's right. Um, he's the warmer upper. <laughs> yeah, he's that guy that does whatever you do to the horses in stud or whatever it is. Yeah, he's, the, he's the fluffer. <laughs> the fluffy. Poppy's fl- been fluffing. Um, so, so anyway, so because that's the, you're the last one of these kind of lockdown ones, you you get the last chance to have a go at our now infamous five question quick fire round. Oh God, all right. Uh, and and as with all the others, I do this intro spiel and then have to go, but I haven't got a clue what the questions are because Jason's got them written down. Right. So uh, the next voice you will hear. That was a quiz show, wasn't it? What TV yeah. show was that? The next voice you'll uh, hear. Uh, millionaire, wasn't it? Millionaire. Wait, Maybe? found a friend. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the next voice you will hear will be Jason Hunt with your first quickfire question. Okay. You'd think in 12 weeks we'd got round to writing them down at both ends, <laughs> really, wouldn't you? I know, I know. <laughs> now you need like a jingle where you press a button and it goes... Dun, 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 That's a good idea. I'm just going to copy... I'm going I'm, I'm to copy three months the, too late. I'm just going to take that bit of intel and I'm just going to put that in just now. <laughs> so, uh, first question. What's the, the one thing in your career that you're most proud of? Uh, I think the biggest thing really is just how we've managed to span a, a fairly decent period of time with the same lineup. You know, we're not the most commercially successful band out there. We, you know, we're, we've done okay. We do okay. Um, we've stuck together. You know, we got together. I joined this band in 2001, you know, I've, two, and I've, you know, I've been touring before that in another group and yeah, just sticking together for like two decades nearly is quite something, you know, I think having that level of tenacity is, is something I'm really proud of that we've sort of stuck together and supported each other one way or another. Cause we don't always get on, trust me, you know, we're like a family and we fight and we, you know, pull each other's hairs out and all that stuff. <laughs> We kind of we love each other, but we kind of you know fall out and things. It's bit, it's it's a brotherhood, and it's and it requires nurturing and looking after. And I'm really glad that I'm really proud of the fact that we've stuck it out because you know like even in things like the late 2000s, early to uh, mid to late 2000s, like you know we were kind of in America a lot, and we didn't really know where we fit in, and that was always a bit of a challenge. And the older we've gotten, as people, and as the the more the bands come along, we've kind of settled into our identities a bit. And I think that's been become a real, um, like, big stick to swing around. You know what I mean? Like, 
I was a lot younger when I joined the band and I didn't really, wasn't really sure about, you know, who, uh, how I fit into it and that kind of thing. I sort of found myself a bit with it more of, of late and I'm, I'm proud of that. And yeah, I'm just proud we stuck together really. And I've seen so many bands become a thing and then vanish and disappear in the, in the space of our careers. You know, people, yeah. people have band careers that are like four or five or six years, you know, that's it. That's your shot. You're done. And to see that happening for other people is like, and you think they've got it all and then it all goes away. It's, it's quite daunting. And to sort of keep, to sustain a career of like 20 years almost, I'm really proud of that. I think that's probably the thing, how to stay relevant and how to stay popular or successful. That's not something that just gets handed to you. That requires work and thinking about what you're doing and not just, you know, because we don't just churn out hits. It doesn't happen. We don't just churn out things which work. We, we come up with a lot of stuff that doesn't work. And it's about going back and trying harder and trying to do better than the last thing you put out and, and be there for each other. That's, you know, being in a band is a very complex thing from a psychological point of view and from like a, you know, human, human point of view forget before you even get into the music, you know, it's kind of, there's a lot to it. And I'm really proud that we're still doing it like 20 years on. Cool. Cool. So, um, which three people would you like to have dinner with dead or alive? Doesn't matter. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. Dinner. Am I cooking? No, you've got waiter. waiter oh, service. brilliant. Wow. Oh, well, just like in real life then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Just ring my little bell. Ding, ding, ding. Um, David Chappelle. Love to have David Chappelle around for for dinner. Um, I think he's very funny, very uh, very uh, observing comedian. Um, who else? Who would, who could we say? I'd love to get around. I'd have my dad around, actually, because, you know, I haven't seen my dad in months. <laughs> I'd have him around because my dad's good bloody value as people say and he's like a kind of a bit of a hero of mine for one reason or another i look up to him a lot um and who else third one probably my girlfriend <laughs> this is terrible isn't it? i've been stuck in a room for like three months i haven't seen anybody no i'd um i'd have do you know i've had four people around for dinner as well actually four people's a good a great a great guy and have him around but i need i need to think of someone famous don't i someone who could people it, like. it really doesn't matter i think earl slick had his three kids yeah he did did he really okay yeah, yeah there you go I'd, yeah i'd have my dad around i'd have david chappelle and i don't know i probably would have um my graphics my design teacher from school who i really had a lot of time for and they had a lot of time for me when i was very young and sort of got me out of trouble and got me thinking about what I wanted to do in my life. And yeah, they were quite um, pivotal in me actually respecting authority and uh, people, you know, trying to teach you wrong from right in a sort of educating capacity. Um, yeah, probably that. Well, yeah, Mr. Yes, Summerfield. Cool. Mr. Summerfield, my design teacher from school. I'll try and find him on uh, Facebook and tag him in. That would be great, you know. <laughs> or do you know what? Who else actually it was... Um, Gary, I went when I was a kid. Uh, there was this sort of youth project um, called the Sweatbox, which was like this little gig that people could play in, and it's where I played my first gig. And there was a guy who who was a youth worker called Gary. I can't remember his last name. Um, he was pivotal in pointing me in the right direction about playing a guitar and just having given kids something to do you know because kids are bored after them when i was a kid anyway we didn't have anything to do didn't have the internet or anywhere to go 
So yeah, just Gary Kinger. That's it, Gary Kinger. I'd have him around to dinner just so I could shake his hand and say thank you for uh, thank you for all the vibes. It's a bit of a sausage fest, my dinner. I'll be honest. That's why I'm saying I want my girlfriend there. So <laughs> she's a she's a cool MFO as well. I want her there. I want four guests. So that's what's happening. That's fine. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, which piece of gear do you wish you'd never sold? Oh blimey. Well, to be honest, I've never. It depends what you're doing. If you're selling stuff, um, these, I know you probably want really quick fire answers, and I'm giving you like an essay. So, apologies. Uh, absolutely fine. Uh, Glenn Matlock took about an hour to answer <laughs> oh, well, these. Oh, so oh okay, fine. fair enough. Okay, I feel better now. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember I sold like a bunch of boss pedals when I was a kid. I bought, I saved up for ages to buy some boss pedals. I had like a digital delay, I had a flanger, I had like a chorus ensemble. And then when I was really broke, I sold them. I sold them to like Music Man in Reading for pennies, for like 20 quid a pedal. And it's like, you know, in, immediately it was quite heartbreaking because I was like, I'll never get those back. I, you know, I saved up to buy these things and they're just gone now. And they were quite, they helped me be creative, but I was desperate for money. Um, those were a brutal one. But I think the thing that scarred me the most is when I had, I didn't sell something, but I had a, I had a load of gear nicked when I was about seventeen. Um, I had a oh seventeen or eighteen. I had a car full of like gear, including my first guitar, which was like a Mexican Strat, and I had my dad's guitar in it, which was this seventies Les Paul copy, like this Japanese copy, like a lawsuit yeah, Les yeah. Paul, which he really loved, and he'd saved up to buy like before I was born. And I had like my friend's amplifier head and all this other gear. Like my band, we like we would. We'd been rehearsing, and I just drove into my where I worked, left the car, and ran inside to like get my shifts sort of written down, and said, "Hey, someone." I was in there like five or six minutes. Came back out, car's been broken into, everything's gone, and it was heartbreaking, man. And I had to tell my dad that his guitar had been stolen from the back of my car, and all this stuff. And yeah, it was really. I never really got over that. I've you know I've been I had loads of bad luck with um with gear going missing in that sense, so. Yeah, when I sold stuff, because being a lefty is like it's harder to replace things. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Uh, you but yeah, you're I've not really a lefty, are you? No, I'm righty. Don't tell everyone though. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> the truth. I'm I'm righty, but I play left-handed. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I learned on my dad's guitar. He's left-handed, for real. And my mum's like legitimately left-handed as well. Me and my sister are both righties for some reason, but we both play guitar left-handed. My sister plays guitar left-handed too. <laughs> because <laughs> it's just how we learn and it wasn't like my dad was like now listen this is the wrong way around but you're I mean, gonna to be honest, regret though, it i mean I, I've, I've thought about it many times whereas you know i'm a righty and mm-hmm. my, my you know I'm, I'm not gonna catch a ball with my left hand or you know or anything like that my right hand is far more dexterous yeah yet my right hand goes up and down mm-hmm. and all the hard work's done by my left hand and yeah it, it's weird it's weird yeah, but so it's the other way around. So if anything, yeah, your right hand feels like it's doing more of the technical stuff, more of the thinking part. Mm. Um, and yeah, so it's weird. It seemed quite, it seemed quite natural even before I had any inkling of what was left or right. I remember feeling like air guitar. I just felt when you're like a kid and you're playing like in the mirror, going like, you know, like a toddler playing around, like playing air, pretending to play guitar. It just, just felt right. And uh, at no point my dad was like, look, my, I play the other way around. You're going to want to have to make a decision here. I wasn't steered away from doing it. I was just like, here, play the guitar. And I did that. And then it wasn't until afterwards till I got in the idea that, oh, guitars on the walls of shops. Oh, they're all different. I can't pick any of them up. It was too late. I was like, oh, I've already yeah, yeah. sort of, I do it differently. Oh, right. Okay. At that point, I probably should go and write. I should get a righty and learn the other way. I just forced myself to do it. 
but I never did, and so now I'm stuck here in this in this place. Of, oh, it's, of, um, it's not too bad though when you've got a signature guitar, so you haven't got far to look, have you? No, nah, exactly. I'm very lucky. I do you know what I've had more guitars over the years than than uh, you could shake a stick out. I've been very fortunate, and I've never gone without, or I don't really have a bucket list. I'd love to have an old an old like pre CBS telly, but maybe it'll happen one day, like when. When when Thorpe and I sell Red Beard effects to like some to, to hedge fund, yeah, to he- yeah to some hedge fund, and we walk away with a cool ten mil each. <laughs> I'll walk into a, I'll go onto a reverb and buy like a fifties left handed telly. That'll happen then. That'll probably be a dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. No, do you know what? I've got so many awesome guitars, and probably my favourite guitar is like a. It's my telly that it's like a parts caster that I put together. It's like my silver Ratacaster. It's a Mexican uh, telly body, a Highway One Strat neck, and it's got Seymour Duncan hot rails for telly in the bridge and the neck. And it's wired volume, volume, and I love it. It's my favorite guitar. It's probably worth like 500 quid in parts, but it's not worth anything to anyone. But it's, it's sent, I, it, that's the one I'd run into the burning building to sort of rescue because I sweated into that thing for like eight or nine years. And yeah, played yeah. It played it every day for all that time and it's got everything in it it's just like humming with vibe and you can't really you can't replace that no no i think this is something if you find find a guitar i've got some that i've had for years and they're just comfortable when you pick Mm -hmm. them up Mm -hmm. and you know you don't get that with new guitars do they they're not kind of i know they're kind of chunks of wood and they don't mold to your body but you end up feeling like they kind of do, mm-hmm. you know. You know where they're supposed to hang, where they're supposed to feel, and everything. And you know, yeah. And again, from a lefty point of view, it's like it's harder to zone in on what you want and what you like and what works for you. Because, like, I had a strap built in um, by the custom shop, a master built custom mm. shop strap. That they were like asking me questions about it, like, "What kind of neck do you like on a strap? Then what year? What style?" And I was like, "What do you mean? What are you talking about?" Like. I could kind of see that they would be different, but like I haven't picked up a 68 strap. I haven't picked up a 62 strap. I haven't picked up a 61, a 59, a 55, a 52. I've never fucking picked one up. I wouldn't, I couldn't tell you what I like about it. What are you talking about? Like it's just got, a, I know what the headstock looks like, or I know that it's like what, I have a rough idea what wood it might be made of, but I don't know what it feels like. I have no idea what a Clapton neck feels like. How yeah. would I know, you know? So it's like when you get down to that kind of minutiae of detail of what you prefer, what your preference is, like, is it left-handed? Yes. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. I will tune it right, and then I'll play it. That's pretty much it. Like that's what you have to go on. So from like a, when people ask me like, what's your vibe? Like how? What's your signal chain? What is your vibe from fingers to? It's like well, it's what when you're left-handed, it's what you can get your hands on, man. Like and you make it work. So you know anyone who's walked into a guitar center knows that left-handers are allowed a Sunburst Stratocaster. Um, <laughs> Uh, Epiphone SG, um, an acoustic guitar of probably made by Fender, an Ibanez RG, <laughs> uh, probably two or three others like in the same vein, a Jackson or something. You know, like there's that's pretty much it. And then and then you you're into right four figure guitars. And so if you're a kid, it's t- it's tough, man. It's not like that so much now. Because there's all these other brands like people like Chapman and all these other, you know, who are the entry level guitars are like sub £1,000 guitars and they have these options, you know. Like Manson, same thing. Like they make left handed guitars that are, um, that are cheaper than that. And 
that's the way forward. I didn't have that when I was a kid, really. It was kind of like, what's cheap is bullshit and what's expensive is out of your range. And well, so to be fair, fair, I mean, you know, I'm a bit older than you. So, But when I started to play, when I was, it was been early 80s, when I was mm-hmm. a kid, a, a cheap guitar was just rubbish. It, it yeah. didn't matter whether it was right or left-handed. It was just <laughs> yeah. rubbish. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, I mean, you I had to spend some money I, to get something decent. And I was encouraged to do that by my dad. I saved up and I bought this... Um, Oh, yeah, I bought this Mexican Strat, which was, I think it was about four or five hundred quid, which to me was a lot of money at the time. But it wasn't, um, it was kind of a standout one for some reason. I bought it from Turnkey. Down, oh, wow. Um, yeah. It's a blast from the past. Right. Well, I went, bought it from Turnkey and um, yeah, it was just something special about it. Like it was a real Strat as far as I was concerned. You know, if I picked it up now, I'd probably be like, this thing's garbage. But it felt like it was... I, I, my friends, uh, my friend had like a Marlin Sidewinder. You oh, know what I mean? Awful guitar. <clears throat> this is what I'm saying. And my friend had like a Columbus guitar. That I was had like, one of those. Terrible. Right? Wouldn't stay exactly. in tune. They're not playable. Like, uh, you know, and I even bought this like chinese like you know those ones that are all plasticky like the ones that were trying to be like the airline like the real 60s oh, yeah, Jap- yeah, Japanese yeah. I had something that, I, that was right handed I was straight upside down it was like had no tension on it whatsoever and it was like had a really it was a short scale but it had all this like air behind the nut and it was a piece of shit and you know it was microphonic and it was an awful cheap guitar and that's what I like you know the things that you had even my dad's like Les Paul that was like a a lawsuit one it was a bolt on but it weighed right. a ton and it was awesome and it played. It was like a fretless wonder, you know what I mean? It was oh, like a so black it's probably the same. As I had my first guitar was a Hondo Les Paul two. Right, it was an Antoria, so it was really similar. Probably uh, the same people. Probably the same thing. Bolt on neck. Yeah, and, and I can remember I was about twelve or something. I was jumping around um, because I was a massive Kiss fan, so mm-hmm. you know um, I bought it because of Ace Freely, and mm-hmm. and it came off the strap because I didn't know that strap locks were a thing at twelve, and it hit the right. floor. And um, it was a concrete floor, and it chipped the paint off, and you could, and it revealed the concrete that was actually inside the guitar to give it weight. <laughs> it just, <laughs> and I'd Insane. saved my pocket money for a, a good twelve months to get wow. that guitar. I think, I think I got, I think it was ninety quid mm. um, in nineteen eighty-one or whatever that was, and I'd managed to save forty-five quid, and my parents put the other. 45 quid in as a christmas present or something right, right, and, right. And, and you realize it's just a, a shell full of concrete <laughs> it's just crap yeah that, my dad, yeah the same thing it was kind of the pickups were microphonic but it mm. played really, it had really low action it was really like playable but the pickups were awful and it's just yeah that's what people had then it's different now like if you've got five six hundred pounds to spend on a guitar and you get something decent it wasn't mm. it didn't feel like it was i don't know i felt like i lucked out with mine back then because just part, because my dad was like, you need to get a real Fender. You need to get a real this or a real that. Part of the problem was, though, as well, that it was whatever was in the the catalogue that was in the house. Mm-hmm. Because back then, people forget that so much stuff was what you saw in that, like, Grattan's catalogue or whatever the catalogue was. Yeah. And it was always a Marlin Sidewinder in there. <laughs> exactly. There's no... Um... There's no uh, musician's friend or... No, there was no way to go looking unless you had a, a music store. So if you lived in a small town, which I did, that didn't have a music shop... Yeah. Then that, that where else did you go? That's you it. Know? I mean, I, w- I was lucky that my dad was quite smart and he was like, we need to go to Denmark Street. You know, I lived in... Um, I lived in Reading for a period of time. I was living in, like, Oxford before that, like, just outside Oxford in Wantage. And, um, yeah, it was... We went to London, which was like, you know, I'd only been there to go to like a museum with school or whatever. 
you know, wasn't that inner city kid. I grew up in the sticks, man. And to go to London to buy a guitar, I was like, this is a big deal. You know, mm. we did that. It was quite something. Um, so yeah, I was re very lucky. I wouldn't have been able to find a left-handed Fender Stratocaster in Wantage. You know, it just wouldn't have happened. It was <laughs> like, or even in Oxford. I mean, I think we had PMT in Oxford back then, but even still it was like, I don't know. It just, they didn't seem to have anything. So yeah, I was, I was lucky. I was very lucky. Cool. So um, the next question, um, what's the best gig you've ever been to? Best gig I've ever been to. One which really, really blew my mind was, I think it was Reading Festival in, I want to say it was 2007. And Nine Inch Nails played. It was when Smashing Pumpkins came back for a minute. It was when they first came back and Smashing Pumpkins headlined the stage. I want to say it was like the Saturday or the Sunday. But immediately before them, it was Nine Inch Nails. And it was like the With Teeth um, Year Zero kind of era when they had Twiggy Ramirez on bass, but they had Aaron North playing guitar. Aaron North was a guy who used to be in the Icarus line. And I'd never really gotten into Nine Inch Nails before that because I think I, I struggled to to get into it retrospectively because the sound of the programming, it was just kind of like, I missed it in the 90s, I guess. It was mm -hmm. like, it just passed me by like for some reason. But I'd really gotten into Year Zero um, uh, with Teeth, that record. I thought it just had a really cool vibe about it. And yeah, then when I saw Aaron North doing his thing live, I mean, it was insane. You know, it was like an hour of just being absolutely blasted with strobes, with no color strobes. And this guy with long hair, skinny dude up on stage with long hair just running from one end of the stage to the other on this 70 foot guitar cable getting in everyone's way fucking <coughs> everyone's shit up and obviously this you know their set is like it rips your head off it absolutely rips your head off and then at the end of the set he did this thing where he like dragged this guitar cab on this really long speaker cable fucking put it up on its side like put, put it put it face up on the ground and like impaled the guitar into it and then like chucked out into the pit where it was still feeding back and still doing all this <laughs> i was just like i've been doing skin dread for about six or seven years by that point but i was like that was i was like this is why i want to be in a band i want to be in the band like i was I was like this is it this, this is just i've had my fucking mind blown by this band in like 50 minutes or an hour it was like a complete sensory overload they had all this incredible production where with all these they had like multiple LED screens that would come in and come out um, that was like they could interact with. And depending on what songs they were playing, they were like, they would be behind them. And they'd have like, you know, Trent Reznor's whole lighting vibe is like second to none, like what they do with production. And that was for me, it was the first first time I'd probably caught a band who weren't just a band with backline and gone yeah, like, yeah. this is a band doing everything they can in the live sense, which isn't just fireworks as well, because I don't know, fireworks or whatever, like, like fire is cool or whatever, but I get it bang <laughs> like you've got fire cool that costs loads of money well done um but the being really smart and creative with like screens and video and doing all that that kind of gets me excited and they did that really well and just having an exciting live band you know josh freeze was playing drums um it was like for me that was like the best lineup even though i love um robin fink fink robin fink Robin, yeah, I was going to say Robin. Uh, I was thinking of someone else. Robin Fink, he's a powerhouse as well. And we saw them in Czech Republic the year before last playing this bizarre festival that we did. And yeah, they were, again, amazing lineup. But that was just for me. Aaron North just 
blew my mind. And that's probably my favourite gig I've ever been to. Cool. And the last question, what's the first thing you're going to do post-lockdown? Post-lockdown? When are they, well, they're going to say lockdown is now over. Congratulations. I have literally no idea what they're going to say. <laughs> so I mean, I'm assuming post-lockdown is the 4th of July is kind of like the date that everybody's got as every shop opens up again, the pubs open up again. I mean, whether people are going to be uh, happy to go to the pub and happy to go to shops, I don't know. Yeah, obviously, I would love a pint. I really would love a pint of Guinness, like a genuine poured pint by someone in a glass in an environment where you can sit outside in a beer garden and have a bag of peanuts. I would love that. I don't think I'm going to do it. I'll be honest. I'm not in any rush to get out there and do that. Like I'm kind of used to not doing that. I wasn't really doing it before lockdown much anyway. You take something away and you think, God, I would really love to do that. But I don't think I will. I don't know. I would genuinely It's not very creative or inventive, but I would genuinely love a pint. But I probably won't do it in a pub, I'll be honest. My sister works in a pub. She's like kind of freaking out about going back. You know, I don't blame her. I don't know. I don't know. This is probably more of a serious response to this question. That you no, no. I was talking to a sort of friend of mine and um, we were talking about, you know, the pub's opening earlier today. Mm. And he said that his local has got book a two-hour slot Wow, and I'm like, apart from ordering a pint every fifteen minutes, um, what are you going to do for two hours? It just seems like really, um, and well, I'm, I'm not sure that that I'm not sure that that would be an enjoyable experience when you're looking at your watch, going, oh, "I'm really sorry, guys, we've only got ten minutes. You know, we haven't guess... got time to order another drink. Should we just go?" No, I guess not, because I suppose they're trying to adopt a kind of thing about turning tables around, like in a restaurant mm. where you book a time, you're gonna be about two hours. And so they go, you know, you book you at seven. We know we turn that table around and have people on it by nine and get another get another meal paid for. Boom. But it doesn't really work that way with booze because you have four pints of whatever in two hours. You're going to want a fifth one and you're not going to want to leave. You're going to be like, where are we going to next? I mean, I suppose that, you know, thinking about it, there's probably a logic that, yeah, all seriousness aside, that, you know, you, you might have three, maybe four pints in that time. But yeah. they're, they're worried about people, you know, I suppose breaking social distancing because once you've had the fifth pint, you know, you're hugging each other and saying, I've really mm. missed you. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe they're thinking that well, two hours kind of can keep people sober enough that we don't have any issues. I don't know. Um, yeah. it, it I tell just, you what, I... sorry, go on. I just, it just doesn't seem like a fun night out to me. No, so. I d- I'm in no rush to do it until it's, until things are back to normal. And I don't know if it ever will be, to be honest, who bloody knows. But, um, I think people's awareness of COVID stuff now is so out there that it'll be a long time before people are like, comfortable to do anything again. I think, you know, I've, I'm able to have a beer in, on the beach and do stuff like that, and that's kind of scratches the itch, to be honest. Mm. Um, I think the thing I would... I won't be able to do straight away, but the thing I'm looking forward to do most is to play a festival. And, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I bitch and moan about the summer sometimes because it is gruelling. It's hard work playing, you know, get, doing the way we do it. It's hard work. But I've really missed it this summer as well, as much as I'm grateful for the downtime. I'm really going to look forward to going and doing a kicking, you know, music festival, especially in the UK, because those ones are like my favourite, because it doesn't involve, often doesn't involve getting on a plane at four o'clock in the morning, which is the <laughs> grueling part. Normally it's like, you know, going up to download or Bloodstock or one of them. Because we had a bunch of UK festivals in the calendar for the summer. We've got to put them all back. So that'll yeah. be next summer now, but... 
I will be really stoked to do a festival. I'll probably be quite emotional when we do a festival again because it would have felt like a really long time. Something I've done, I've done probably 40, 50 festivals every year for the past, you know, 15 years. Yeah. And to have that removed, one, on one level, I'm really grateful for like the downtime and the rest. But on the other t- on the other hand, I'm like, there is a part of my soul missing and a part of my purpose missing and I need my fix. And I will really look forward to that. Like that bit just before you go on and the music stops and everyone goes, you know, the crowd roars. That's like the kind of like uh, injection, you know, validate me. <laughs> that thing. I'm looking forward to that. Brilliant. There's, there's nothing else like that. Cool. Cool. I think we're, we're done, aren't we, Anne? I think I was, uh, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we, at the beginning we were thinking, oh, you know, half hour, 40 minutes and we've been, I do this, man. Banging on for an hour. I'm sorry. I talk Uh, so much shit. I'm sorry. No, 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 quite the reverse, actually. Quite the reverse. It was, uh, it was really good. It's the quietest I've been. Uh, and Jason will attest to that. And I've just been sat listening, really enjoying, you know. Oh, I'm pleased. I hope I haven't bored bored you to death i'm grateful for you letting me just talk my shit not at all <laughs> that's great so are you going to come back on when you've got the new pedal ready and tell us a bit more absolutely yeah we'd love, yeah. To. Okay. I'd love to i'd love to say more about it right now but like i said adrian thorpe will snap my neck off yeah and, and, he, and he and he will and we yeah. all know he will and he, he can he will he can and he will and i i'm not i'm not about that life no so, so the thing is um, yeah so i'm going to stop recording effort. now so you can tell us when we stop recording. I'll tell you what I really think. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, Mikey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for finding the time. No, thank you, um, you know, it's, Thank you. It's, it's been great. Thank you, guys. I've really enjoyed it. And that was Mikey Demas. Um, and we were just saying, we didn't... We thought we might have a conversation for, what, half an hour, 35 minutes maybe... And yeah, I mean that's what we, he'd said at the start, wasn't yeah, it? Really? Yeah, and uh, and and yeah, we've just we've just chatted away, uh, you know, for an hour. Um, but it never felt like an hour. No, it didn't feel like an hour, and uh, I didn't get to ask him about Russ Ballard either, which oh. was really annoying. Oh, we, um, yeah, we're gonna have to. Well, he's, he's he's coming on again. He said he's going to come on again and tell us about this pedal when uh, when when that's ready. So, Russ Ballard. Big big post it for next time. Yeah, definitely. Well, I don't really know if there's much to add to that, other than to reaffirm what I think I said in the podcast, which is that we're going to the the fortnightly turnaround now. With this, this that, which was always the plan, really. Yeah, it was, and I think that you know we we were really lucky when um, lockdown started. Uh, that loads of people said they wanted to do it uh, because loads of people had got time. Um, so we just kind of ran with it mm-hmm. because why wouldn't you? Um, but we'll go back to the original plan now because as lockdown eases and people are starting to get back out and get working and so on, that it's, um, I, I, I think we'd struggle to do it weekly yeah. if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, what with my other work commitments, yours and, and so on. And the, 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 the decreasing levels of access that we, you know, we're getting, you know, I know we've got another couple lined up ready to go. Um, but you know, uh, it's probably time to go back to once a fortnight. Yeah. So, so once you've enjoyed this, don't look for us a week later. Look for us a fortnight later. Uh, are we are we saying who we're coming back with? Or are we going to leave it as a surprise? 
No, let's leave it as a surprise. Right, okay, we'll leave that as a bit of bit of a cliffhanger. It's like a season finale. Yeah, well, it's kind of the order that you know. I've got I've got a list of what, about ten names here, and it's what order we do them in, really. So. Uh, yeah, let's let's leave it as a cliffhanger. You know, I'm fairly certain I will be talking about it on social media. Yes. So if you go to the Guitar Show UK on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you'll find out yeah. soon enough. Cool. Well, mate, have a great weekend, and you uh, enjoy the thunderstorms. Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. As a hay fever sufferer, I can't yeah. wait. It's, you it's know. got a bit clammy, hasn't it? It's got a bit a bit a bit grimy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my faux leather chair is sticking to me like hell right now. And on, and on that chafe-laden <laughs> comment, I think we should... I, I'm going for a beer. It's six o'clock, it's Friday night, I need a beer. I'm going for a beer. Mojito, that's what I'm doing. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I do love a mojito. Yeah. I do yeah, love... it's, Well, I discovered them at NAM a long time ago now, sort of like 15, 16 years ago. And for a long time, it's the uh, it was the drink that I only drank when I was at NAM. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, really, that I'm drinking cocktails all night at Nam. It's no wonder my hangovers were fairly horrific. <laughs> and it's an easy drink to drink a lot of, a mojito. Yeah. Don't easy. sit down and drink them. Because when you stand up... The worst uh, the worst drinking experience ever at Nam. sorry, slightly off topic, um, was back when you'd have been at Academy of Sound and it was Sound Control. Right. And I was sat at the downtown Disney bar. It's, just, it's really weird. The only place you could drink and smoke at the same time in Nam 20 years ago was the downtown Disney bar, the, the little round one that's in the yeah. middle. And uh, the guys from Sound Control plied me with about eight Long Island iced teas. Yeah. And I'd never had them before. And they're lovely. Mm. Um, but I don't actually remember the walk back to the taxi to no. get back to the hotel room. No, that That's a... That's a legs going out from under when you stand up, kind of session. Well, yeah, mm. yeah. My, do you know what? I think I've got everything I need for a mojito. I might actually. I was going to have a beer. I've got a bottle of Sam. I've got a couple of bottles of Sam Adams in the uh, in the fridge, and I do like a Sam Adams. But I might go for a mojito now. I had one last night. It was it was a warm sunny evening. Yeah. It just felt like I was at now. And I've got some mint in my little herb tub as well. I've got the, I've got everything I need. I've got everything I need from a Hito. It's the only reason why I grow mint in the garden. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no other reason to grow mint, is there? <laughs> no. Nobody puts it on potatoes anymore. But <laughs> All right, mate. Well, listen, have a great weekend. Um, and you. We might as well, it's quite in keeping with that episode, actually, that our outro, which was meant to be three minutes, ended up being ten. But <laughs> it's the way we roll. All right. You take care, fella. I'll speak to you soon. Speak soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Hold up. 